Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Mark Watson. And I'm Michael Chakraverti. Welcome to Mankind. We talk to a fantastic range of guests about, well, masculinity. Where does it come from? What does it mean? And what is it, basically? Every week we loosely, very loosely, sometimes very loosely talk about issues around maleness, gender identity, that sort of thing. What makes people people, really? Exactly. Well, it's us again, still. Yes, hopefully we're now just, um, it's becoming normalised again in your brain that when Monday comes around, you listen to us. But in case people don't know, who are you? Um, oh yeah, I forgot about that bit. Well, I'm Mark Watson. Yes, you are indeed. And I'm Michael Chakraverti. And this week we have the brilliant Max Hovey. So Max is a content creator. You'll see him all over the internet doing various different things about body image, queerness, mental health. And he does some spicy stuff on OnlyFans, I believe. Yes, just thinking of this full house of M's, Mark, Michael and Max. Oh, triple M, M and M and M. There'll be someone that's doing stats on that. Lovely. <laughs> well, we'll leave you to Max, and it's a it's a fab one. This one, it's a good one. Well, I'm Mark Watson, and once again, I have the good fortune to be sitting next to Michael Chakraverty. Actually, it's not good fortune. We plan, we plan. We it. did plan it. It wasn't luck. There's been no luck at all involved, <laughs> apart from the luck you need to get through life, I suppose. Um, <laughs> and opposite us, in a dramatic and very cool pink hoodie, is our guest for today. Max Hovey. Hi, Max. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Hi, Max. How would you describe who you are? Here you are. Deep oh, question to start Christ. with. In your core of being. Core of who are being. Core yeah. of being. So I am a content creator. I'm a writer, so I write for various magazines. Um, I'm a queer advocate, so I do lots of work to bring awareness about queer identities, gender, sexuality, etc. I'm also a sex worker, so I have an OnlyFans. And yeah, most of my work it mainly focuses on body image, mental health, um, femininity, queerness, sex education. All the stuff that men don't really like to talk about. I'm going to go, go out, right, right off the bat and say that was a good answer to that question. Me too. And that was I'd, nice. I'd like to immediately dig into this OnlyFans. <laughs> you could also say you've got good teeth as well. You've got lovely teeth. Thank you. You're very well. Um, I'm very upfront with, with the fact that they're not real. That's okay. Did you do that thing that Katie Price did? What did Katie Price do? Have you seen that thing? Katie Price got like, I think they're veneers. I don't know how, I'm not a dentist. Okay. But like, Yet. have you seen that? <laughs> have you seen that picture of her? Like when they filed her teeth down to points, then put new ones on. Yeah. Is that what you've got? Yeah. So underneath those, are they, are they pointy? Uh, I don't, act, well, I was, wasn't really paying it. Like I, I was awake, but I wasn't really paying attention. You wouldn't want to. Really. No, no. Because no. no. you, you've got like, you know, when you're in the dead, you have the, like the light above, you can slightly see your reflection. Yeah. I was kind of trying to look and they're like, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They've yeah. numbed it or pretend it's not happening. You couldn't feel like the bits going into your mouth. 
Ooh. I had a feeling recently and I could feel like the bits of tooth that they were drilling off going in and I was like, oh, this is horrible. Oh. But like, I couldn't feel like the feeling of the drill, but, like the flakes, I could, they're, they're like touching. I'm not my... sure how much of the listeners will be enjoying this, Michael. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> if you don't like dentists. <laughs> I'm glad you can't see Alex's face at home. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, you you've ended up with lovely teeth. We've talked Thank you. <laughs> We've had a lot of discussions in this podcast, but it's the first time a guest has ever said within five minutes, these are not my real teeth. Uh, what? <laughs> Huge I just curveball. wanted to be upfront about it. I, yeah, because because I, I get right. a lot of people that's like, oh, you've got really nice teeth. and I. Yeah, uh, anyway, back to OnlyFans. That's what you were asking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested in it just because... Um, well, I'm in my 40s and I'm also crucially not a sex worker, but occasionally when there's a kind of uh, extremely tame photo of me, like topless or something on Twitter, someone will always make a joke like, you should have an OnlyFans. So I become aware of what it is, but I don't, uh, forgive my ignorance, but do people sort of subscribe to it, like with Patreon? Or it's not, it's not just a thing you can occasionally come in and out of? So yeah, it is, it's basically another version of Patreon. The difference mm. with Patreon is that they have levels. So they have, um, you can create tiers yeah, where yeah. Um, you can subscribe to different levels. You get access to different levels of content. Um, Only fans, you, just, you take what you get. Basically, yeah. Right. There's different ways of making money on it. So you can encourage people to pay tips. You can do pay-per-view, um, which is what I do as well. So people subscribe right. monthly. But then um, they can also pay and, stuff. Yeah, and then the way pay-per-view works is that you can send out like a broadcast message to all your subscribers with a piece of content that they then have to pay to unlock. I see. A bit like boxing on Sky, Michael. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that went straight over my head. <laughs> uh, I was talking about OnlyFans with, oh, with producer Alex, actually, at the, the weekend. Because it's a way of paying sex workers for the content you consume. Yeah, it sounds amazing, really. But how often do you have to keep the content? I suppose the word is coming, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so this is um, where it's... So when I first started, I was doing like a post every other day because I wanted to make sure I was very consistent. But because of over the last year, I've really struggled with my body image mm. and also struggled with my desire for sex and so on. So put those two together and then that is your job yeah. makes it very hard to do. I can it, imagine, yeah. It's not like when you, I don't know, I used to work in a call center and you have to just pretend to like your customer. Yeah. You literally have to pretend to be enjoying what you're doing, which for me felt like quite insincere. Yeah. So um, lots of people do do that in, the, in sex, in real life. Exactly. It's not performative. Yeah. And I, yeah. that's not me. I'm no. not a performative individual. I'm very authentic. So roughly I try every other day, but that's the, the thing I really like about it is that I'm able to be flexible with it with my mental health. Of course, yeah. yeah so important. I can bulk create stuff, have it all scheduled, and then if I need to take a couple of weeks off, I can. And is yeah. it like sex, sexy? Um, <laughs> quite, I'm trying to work out what I'm going to be buying here. So what I really like there, the, the comfortable. Uh, um, um, there. What, what do I? Uh, <laughs> well, the, the, uh, the closest, it's not the same thing at all, but I'm on Cameo, which where you do sort of like <laughs> personalized messages for people's birthdays and stuff. Very rarely uh, sexy. But, um, <laughs> is it kind of. Like sexy videos and stuff. Yeah, basically. basically. Yeah. So, so yeah, you can't be in the mood to do that every day. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So for me, I do. It's basically when I first started, it was just very soft core. Like mm. it was all there was no full nudity, and I've gradually built up to other stuff. So now it is basically everything except it's just me. There's no other people. I don't right. do collaborations. Right. Um. And for me, it's been really liberating. Really, yeah. that's. The, I was going to ask about that because yeah. you were talking about body image earlier, and yeah. like, obviously. We spoke to Lane Rogers a couple of, a couple of oh, years ago, right. yeah. um, who works in porn as well. And it was really interesting kind of thinking about the sex work and porn and OnlyFans and all these vibes. It's a lot of it is very focused on the chiseled Adonises of this world. Yeah. So how, how do you contend with that in your brain, I suppose? 
So when I when I first started it, the reason I wanted to, because it was going to be, firstly, social media platforms obviously are very strict and I can't do full porn on there. That's yeah. that's obvious, but they're still very strict on certain topics and certain images, even if it's not pornographic. Like I've done images before, it's kind of a close up of me, like sat down and you can see my belly and there is no nudity whatsoever. It's been taken down for nudity. And I'm yeah. like, okay, but if Does I had that a get six reported? pack, no, it's, no, it's the algorithm. Sure. Um, and I'm like, well, if I had a six pack, you wouldn't have a problem. Yeah, yeah, no one's censoring that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's just basically body shaming under another name. Basically, yeah. So I then decided to create this platform where I could create this kind of content that was focusing on sexual liberation and body confidence. Because one of the big talking points I have is that pornography is so glamorized yeah. and it's effectively the top 1% of people, you know, most people that are do born have like a 10 inch dick, which is literally the minor minority, like Good. less than, I think <laughs> it's, uh, is it less than 1% of men have a penis bigger than seven, seven inches and less than 15% have one bigger than six inches. These are great stats. Uh, yeah, but people yeah, don't yeah. know that. So you watch pornography yeah. and everyone's like, oh my God, like I've, I'm really insecure about it, but it's all bullshit. Yeah. 10 inches is ridiculous. You'd be exhausted carrying that around. <laughs> <laughs> be like That's having a record bag strapped to you. That is the biggest complaint that porn stars have is just how heavy their dick is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn, another day with this massive dick. <laughs> <laughs> we spoke about uh, dick size like way back on season one, and the only way Mark could contextualize inches was by records. Was vi vinyl records vinyl like records. seven inch and twelve inch? Yeah, with people talking about it was. I think the discussion was what would be the perfect cock length, wasn't it? Yes. And you were saying, well, I wasn't saying it was Crystal that was saying. Anyway, basically, yeah, I'm old enough that that I think it like of you know a twelve inch like an actual old school record. But even a, even a seven inch, if you think of a single, and you imagine laying your, your cock across that, like it shouldn't cover. Don't often think about that to be honest. I'm, I'm asking yeah, you to sure. imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say remember. <laughs> anyway, your point is, um, and it's a well known thing, I guess, but it's worth saying. Porn presents all sorts of body norms, which are nowhere near normal in the real world. No, absolutely. A lot of pornography, it's very much focused on, you know, they've probably done loads of press ups before they're covered in body oil. They're making sure that they're, you know, they're tensing their abs, they're flexing their arms. And it's setting such an unrealistic standard for anyone who watches it. You know, if you're a male and you're watching it, you feel like you need to present as that. And it's like, it's really, really toxic. So I, what, that's one of the things I really prided myself on doing was it being, you know, sexual liberation. And you can, you can feel confident and sexually liberated in the body that you're in. You don't need to have that kind of body image. That's great. I really love the idea of sort of indie, indie porn, like a porn that, that is self-made. <laughs> it's the thing though. Porn. Yeah, obviously it is. There's a platform great. that yeah. I've worked with previously who focus on that kind of pornography that is, it's, it's, shot kind of not not really high budget but it's very it's very authentic it focuses very much on the emotions as opposed to just yeah i think that's really good it feels like the the first 20 or so years of the internet have done incredible damage in terms of the images that circulate but now we're, we're starting to have the sort of the devices that and that allow us autonomy in what we put out there which applies to everything but i've not thought about it in terms of sex work before. there's a i mean there's a like a a whole load of creators now who are very much pushing back against those norms that pornography have created because yeah. it is so incredibly damaging. Of that course. paired with the lack of sex ed, yeah. like it's bad yeah. for men, for women, for everyone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No one stands a chance. So it's no wonder that everyone's confidence is just shot to shit. I think we've got a lot to delve in there, but we still haven't asked our first question. <laughs> technically, <laughs> technically, one day we'll finish an episode without having actually done the first question. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to talk about it a bit more, but I think it would be interesting to kind of track back a bit to be to, to ask you your, your idea of what masculinity is. 
actually, it might be interesting considering what we've just spoken about. What do you think masculinity is now? Like, what do you think that is? So I had this conversation with a friend a while ago, actually. They're a female, they identify as a woman, uh-huh. but they're like, I believe the term, I don't want to get it wrong. I think it was um, genderqueer. So they do kind of fluctuate between masculinity and femininity. And they felt very uncomfortable using those terms because they felt they were gendered. Mm. Now, I'm sure there are people that, we, that will disagree with me on this, but I think we're in a place now where although... Traditionally, the terms masculinity and femininity are gendered. I think now we're in a place where they shouldn't be in association with gender. So for me, masculinity does still kind of have those traditional masculine qualities, but it doesn't make you any less of a man. Mm -hmm. Or if you, for example, a female has a masculine and it doesn't make you any less of a woman, Mm -hmm. like you can fluctuate between those qualities. There's still a lot of toxic masculinity, which is very much, you know, don't cry don't show your feelings all that crap which still i cannot get my head around but yeah i think what good good good. qualities do you can you think of in masculinity i think just for for me like if i a good quality of masculinity is just being secure in yourself Mm -hmm. being masculine is being secure in being able to show your emotions being secure in being able to have open conversations about things because i feel so often traditionally men when it comes to having conversations even like like i said at the beginning of this i kind of indirectly said men don't talk about sex they do of course they do is all they talk about but it's not spoken about in like a serious way yeah an emotional way yeah everything said in jest nothing is taken seriously Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i think being able to take things a bit more seriously and actually have these open conversations being open to grow is i'd say is a really good quality masculinity Mm. when when you were younger did you have that clear cut idea of where things, how things lay or did you engage in some of those qualities you now think are toxic? So I grew up in a, a very supportive but hyper-masculine household. I lived with my mum and had two older brothers who are naturally very masculine, both, you know, really into sport, which for me growing up with that, it was in no way anyone's fault. They were just traditionally masculine. So I did kind of feel that I had to follow suit. Whereas because I've naturally always been a very sensitive soul, I did feel that there was, you know, trying to break those barriers and maybe be a bit more sensitive. I felt like I I wasn't meant to. And that wasn't because I was ever ashamed for it. Uh, it was just because that's all I ever saw as masculinity, yeah. especially in the media. Like it was very clean cut. You had women, feminine, men, masculine, like you had to go into one of those boxes. Yeah. I guess because I, I grew up in a, a very hyper-masculine environment, I did kind of feel like I had to suppress those qualities of masculinity. How, how are they now with you? How does it fit together now? The, oh, amazingly. Yeah. It's, um, you know, they've, well, you know, when I came out, like I've, I, it's all been so incredibly supportive. That's always nice to hear. Um, I was going to ask about when you started to stop suppressing. When did that happen? And how did that happen for you? Like, so when I was uh, at primary school, it was um, mixed so it was boys and girls. So I naturally gravitated more towards girls and I had, a, I had more friends there. And then I went to an all boys school. Right. secondary yeah. which was absolute hell right because very hyper masculine yeah. and that's when i had to really push that side of me down and then when i turned 16 and i went to sixth form which was at the same school sixth form was mixed but the the general years seven to eleven were just boys mm-hmm. so then when girls came to the school i was like oh, okay i can have be friends with girls again yeah. i, I then, found that tantalizing knowing there were girls coming eventually if you hung in there a long <laughs> yeah long enough, looking at the sixth form going can i make it that far? <laughs> and then yeah like once they'd arrived it kind of became a bit more supportive to be 
the way I am. I didn't feel like I had to hide it as much. And that really then helped me to flourish, which was, it was hard because I was still in the exact same environment. And I did come against a lot of resistance. Like I lost quite a lot of friends because they couldn't handle like the drastic change in me. Yeah, I've heard you say that before, read you saying that before. And it's um, surprising, I think, really, because it would, I mean, I I suppose it's a common experience that it changes friendships, Mm. but you wouldn't think it would affect someone's actual idea of who you were. Unfortunately, it does. But I'm I'm a very open-minded individual and I very much try to just go, well, I can see why you're like this because that's how you were raised. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't make it right, but it's the same with any form of oppression. It's kind of, well, that's systemic. Like, you've been taught to think that way. So I, I remember one friend who was naturally very homophobic and I vividly remember at one point him being like, oh, yeah, if I came out as gay, my dad would literally kick me out. And I was like, ah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. So you, you've had those values put on you and that's now why you're acting that way. So yeah, I was I was very prepared to lose a lot of friends, but knowing that I then had that support system there meant that I can I was like, well, I can sacrifice that. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a sad it's a sad thing when you think about it at school and you're quite a young age, happened to be like, right, I'm gonna have to sacrifice something here so that I can just do what I want and be mm. who I am. What was your relationship with body image around that time? Because you mentioned that that's a big part of what you do now in your work. Body image is something that I've always struggled with. I've always felt very. Um, insecure in my body for multiple reasons and going when I then came out as gay and then you're you know you go to dating apps and you kind of get a taste of the queer scene and you kind of think oh I'm out now great it's going to be amazing and then you go into the queer scene and you're literally hit by a truck and you're like oh no I can't have this body in this in this community Mm -hmm. like I'm not going to be accepted and it's why is that to dig a bit more into that I think, again, that comes down to like hyper masculinity. Uh There's a concept known as the queer iceberg where you have the, you know, how like two thirds of the iceberg is submerged. So the top part of the iceberg is very much the cisgendered, white, muscly, pretty gays. And I do very much appreciate I still fit into a lot of those categories. Um, the popular image of the of the that gay guy. Yeah. yeah, but then everything that's submerged is you know the rest of the queer community, which is such a like a rainbow of different identities yeah. that just isn't seen. Hmm. But I think so. We've we're in this transition period now where being queer is becoming more accepted, but there's still a handful of people who are they have internalized homophobia. They whilst they are accepting that they're gay, they try to distance themselves from the queer narrative by appeasing to straight people by trying to appear as heteronormative as possible. Yeah, we hear about this quite a bit. Yeah, it's very interesting sure. to me Which as is, someone that does not that didn't grow up in any sort of queer culture. Yeah. It's really like it's it's really sad. Like yeah. it's it's hard not to be angry at it, but at the same time you kind of pity these people because it's like you're still trying to in some way shape or form be accepted Conform. by the mainstream. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It obviously is a very interesting thing to talk about because it would wouldn't strike many people that someone doing what you do would also struggle but it's interesting um, as well what you're talking about in terms of this hyper masculinized version of being gay or even being queer to an extent there's lots of non-binary people that also feel this pressure to look a certain way and be a certain way absolutely and like you almost feel like you can't ever have sex with anybody because you just don't see well, there's no sex education to start with and then you go on you look the only thing you can look at is porn and the porn is just really muscly people having sex with each other normally quite aggressively so, yeah. you're, kind of, so you're kind of like noisily oh, i don't quite know i don't know where <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> apparently, apparently. <laughs> but you just don't know where you kind of you don't know how to fit in and you don't know how to because if you don't look like that you then start trying to make your body look like that yeah and lots of bodies just can't look like that did you find yourself trying to make yourself look that way 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you know about my backstory, but my entire platform was built on conforming to that narrative. Right. Uh-huh. So I went, I think it was literally just when I finished school, I was then, I went to the gym and my body, so I was like, no, I'm going to sort myself out and I started working out loads. And then I started posting these photos on social media, the classic ripped Insta gay. And loads of them, right? Yeah. Like a sort of in a, a level of addiction you've talked about before. Yeah, absolutely. And people flocked to it. People were like, oh my God. And I was suddenly getting all this validation yeah. for having that ripped body image. And it was... Like you, I, it was it was addictive. Like mm-hmm. you get so used to it, and you're like, "Oh my god, I've not felt this before." And it was just a downward spiral from there, where I was trying so hard to conform to that body image. And then once I'd kind of built that platform, I'd realized what had happened, and then lockdown happened, and I didn't go to the gym as much. I just started antidepressants, which caused weight gain and yeah. um, comfort eating. I my body had started changing, and mm. some people online had started criticizing that. And all my confidence went, all the confidence I had built had gone. Because it was all based upon an idea of what, yeah. of you that people saw, which exactly. you desperately tried to live up to. And then, yeah, so I tough. was just, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I was like, all oh, my confidence has gone. I was like, I don't want to live my life like this. I don't want to live my life whereby all the confidence I have is based purely on the six pack I have. Like that's, mm. no, I'm not being known for that. No, that's no life really, is it? No. no. How, how did you find different ways of deriving confidence? Um, so I think... When I then decided that I wanted to focus on making social media a a more comfortable place for people, I didn't want people to look at my content and either compare themselves or compare, well, do upward comparison, basically, when they want to aspire to that. Mm. I then decided to focus internally on what I liked about myself and what qualities I have, what I have to offer the world, which is then when I started to focus on other types of work, which would be to make people feel uplifted, you know, focusing on journalism, all that other stuff. And then people seem to, I mean, I lost about 20,000 followers when I decided to make that shift because mm-hmm. obviously a lot of people were like, oh, we don't have a six pack anymore. 20,000 followers. Yeah. A lot of people, people weren't happy, which was a hard adjustment, but then yeah. I massively, you know, bounced back. And now like the audience I have now are following me because of what I do For the now. right reasons. Yeah. 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 Um, Looking back when you were, pushing towards that six pack as well, like that vibe. Were you, because it's, it's often attached, but it's not necessarily, sh- not necessarily should be. Were you going for like a masculine vibe as well in terms of this kind of butch, manly man with the six pack? Because often now you get lots of muscle gays, for lack of a better phrase, who I are- That's a perfectly good phrase. But they're embracing the feminine side as well. And there's sort of like a kind of a, I don't really have a very kind of, articulate way of describing it but when you see a muscle gay kind of wearing feminine clothing and stuff like that and being like look how like look up to me look I'm, I'm embracing other parts of myself I find it quite hard because they're also subscribing to a thing that I find quite problematic mm. so mm, yeah you've kind they're of moved in both ways exactly yeah. right so you, you've kind of moved into a place where you kind of you've embraced the femininity and you, you're kind of fighting against that body image side what was the shift from that embracing of masculinity and that push towards masculinity what was it like oh, i'm not answering this question shit you got to edit this really bad <laughs> um no that, that's what, particularly what, funny to regular listeners because that's um, going to be cut out they're not going to hear it no, no they are it's, it's <laughs> not going to be cut out i, I was loving where what that was, going. was the shift 
like? You kind of spoken a bit about the shift in terms of your body from the six pack gay to normal person, human being's body. <laughs> what was the shift like <laughs> in terms of masculinity towards embracing that femininity? There you go. Very good question, Mike. Yeah, it took me five minutes to get there, but I got there. No, They'll that never... was brilliant. <laughs> like... Again, it's the iceberg thing. Oh, yeah. I'm feel sweaty and hot. <laughs> no, no. This is why we don't do more live episodes. <laughs> um, I think that was definitely a harder shift because it was. Um, That's interesting. I thought it would be an easier one. Well, because I I did have a lot of femininity growing up and I had massively suppressed that, especially going to an all boys school. Like Mm. I felt I needed to push that side of me down massively. And then again, like I said, when I started adhering to those body standards, I was like, okay, well, I need to appear as masculine as possible because that's what everyone wants. Everyone wants a masculine, muscly male. Mm -hmm. And that's all they're going to, all they're going to want. If you go out of those boundaries, no one's going to like it. But then I think for me starting to go into a bit more femininity really helped in lockdown with TikTok. I mean, the the amount of people that have given their like their transformation stories from lockdown where they've like, they've done like comparison of like the photo at the beginning, photo at the end Mm -hmm. and the two years and how much growth they've done because you've been forced, you've got nothing else to do. You've been forced to sit inside and look internally. You have to concentrate on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. An awful lot of people had life-changing epiphanies of one type or the other, I think, because you had just almost too much thinking time. Exactly, but I think that's one of the things that was actually really beneficial about it. So for me, I then got to really get back to my roots. And one of the first things I started trying again was makeup, which I used to love. I was going to do a makeup look today deliberately, but then I was like, I don't have time. (laughs) I'm going to be late. (laughs) People don't normally dole themselves up for a podcast that much. It's also an audio audio medium. That's the thing. It it, it wouldn't have justified. (laughs) You'd have been pretty disappointed if you spend three hours on that, I think. Yeah. yeah. We'd have had to pretend we were filming it. <laughs> yeah. So to kind of experiment with makeup a bit really helped me push those boundaries. And again, people were criticizing of that. They didn't like it. And I think a perfect example is Sam Smith. Yeah. Like the absolute backlash that they have received from coming out as non-binary and then acting in a more feminine way massively shows that as society, we're not as progressive as we like to think. Mm-hmm. It's like that a lot of the backlash has come from the queer community. Like I've actually got yeah. a couple of tweets saved that I'm going to use for content where it's just like, Sam for me doesn't, rep- doesn't represent the queer community. Like it's embarrassing. But they're not saying they do. <laughs> that all, the, all Sam start. has to do is represent themselves. Yeah. That, that's the only thing. No one's claiming to represent the whole queer community. It would be a mad thing to claim. It'd be quite fun so. if they did though. Yeah, they'd have to do a lot of... A lot of work. They'd have to get through a lot of sex for stuff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be exhausting to be the entire queer community in one... It is fascinating. It, it, it comes up again and again in this podcast that the, the, a lot of the struggles for queer people are, yeah, internal or against other queer... Pre- I mean, you know, I've learned a lot on this podcast about how... Um, straight people can be better allies, but actually you guys are awful. <laughs> no, we are. This is the... Can we, can we quickly clip that bit? Just straight comedian says, queer yeah. people are awful. Yeah, yeah that's no. like, I'm aware that is, a, that is a cancellation in five yeah, seconds. That, that's that going to be going yeah. viral on Twitter Alex later. Alex near that <laughs> audio. But no, I, I, I do completely agree. That's the piece of content that I want to work on at the moment, yeah. which yeah. is how can we expect mainstream societies to respect and support us when as a community we are so fragmented? Mm-hmm. Yeah, queerness is all about that massive 
beautiful spectrum of different approaches to life it's mad to start policing internally what those are allowed to be exactly and that like even when it comes to going to events now like i'll i'll, ver- I'll do research on behind it and see what sort of people attend and if i see a really diverse group of people people from different ethnicities sexualities genders like that's where i want to be mm. the thought of going to one of these like gay nights where it is literally just lots of muscled white men in harnesses is my I was worst about nightmare. to say harnesses <laughs> it's, it's literally my worst nightmare because now all three of us picturing harnesses. <laughs> <laughs> I like the I I call it like the Clone Wars. Like it's just everyone's just looks the same and it's just fighting against each other to just compete and be the best. And I'm like, who's winning? I know. Like, it, no like, winning. If they're happy, let them crack on. But it's just it is really toxic. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. How did you... I think it's brilliant and I love all this. I'm just, I'm just thinking if, if this is me doing this in front of people on TikTok, posting this stuff on social media, going through this shift, and people are saying, stop doing that. I think I'd be like, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I've seen you think about <laughs> Really, really sorry. I'll stop now. I'll delete my account. It's fine. Yeah, I've seen yeah. you threatening to leave Instagram because you weren't getting enough likes on a porridge recipe. Well, so, that like... <laughs> and that was one time, and it was two years ago. I'm just saying, I don't think you're cut out for OnlyFans. <laughs> but... <laughs> but how do you, like, how do you go, no, I'm going to stick to my guns here? Like, authenticity is great, but, but it, it, it's hard. <laughs> I think, thankfully, the algorithm has kind of worked in my favor in a way because I got a lot more support than I did backlash. I think the only time I had backlash is when I did a campaign with Philips OneBlade and they boosted it to loads of people. It reached like 2 million people and the Mm. comments were disgusting. So, I mean, this was the beginning of it and I had... As soon as the post gets a certain level of popularity, it's a real level of Oh, massively, but the comments were horrible. And I was very early days, like I had... I was still very conforming, Mm. but I had grey nail varnish on. Not even like a really out there bold colour. And the amount of comments were like, I'm not taking beard advice from someone who paints their nails. I'm like... Baby, I've got a better beard than you. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like, you yeah. can't... What, what, is, what does that even mean? Let me amaze you. You can have a beard and have stuff on your nails. <laughs> I know. Look at me doing both. <laughs> but yeah, but that, that in itself is a bit of confidence to be able to be like, 
no, that's wrong. And yeah. I'm fine. I think I've just been, I mean, I've my mum's always said this to me since I was a little boy. I, and I've got in trouble for it. I have a very strong sense of right and wrong. And I hold, I'm very honest and I hold my, my values very close to my heart. Mm. And I don't bend them for anyone. Like I don't, I don't part with shit. I won't surround myself with people that I, whose values I don't agree with. I just don't do it. So when I was, I'd made that decision to be like, no, I'm not going to conform anymore because I'm addicted to it. I'm addicted to this cycle of I'm conforming, I'm getting validation. I'm conforming, I'm getting validation. I'm breaking that and I'm going to be confident in me. So when I did come up against resistance, it was hard. And I did kind of struggle with it, but it was kind of, I either go straight back to where, the way I was or push even harder. Mm -hmm. And the way I then decided to do it was I would just push harder. So people were like, I don't like you doing that. Like some they said like, oh, we want you to get your six pack back. So I then did a video with my belly out and was like, no, yep. your fingers up. I don't care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Got your money. Yeah. yeah. So it was, I just, I used, I saw it as like drive to go even further. And then going into, when did OnlyFans? Was that around the same time? Was that lockdown time? That was March 2022. So about a year ago. Yeah. Just about. So you're just thinking like, cause you're then, cause you've got, you gained all that confidence. You've, you've gone to the body that makes you feel comfortable and that's brilliant. That's mm. amazing. You then go into an arena well, you're, that's, I, I'm assuming, being tested all the fucking time. So how was that? OnlyFans for me was, it was amazing. And I think people liked the fact that it was, obviously it was, it was sexual, but it was also confident because right. they could see themselves in me. Mm -hmm. Not like that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. People love people seeing themselves in you. Not necessarily yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if, if that's what you're into, I mean, I mean they, probably, no they, they probably, yeah, they probably, yeah, that's well, definitely yeah. what that's they're doing. Partially but, what it's for, some yeah. would say. You've well, gone red. <laughs> yeah, even though you created this situation. <laughs> yeah. Actually, well, I was going to ask adjacent questions to this. Do you have a sense of who. I don't possible insulting. I don't think it's an insulting question. Is there a, do you have always, a sense of, always a nice way to start a question, isn't it? This might be insulting. I don't think it's insulting. There's probably better and worse ways to uh, ask you've, it. But... You've gone red now, so that's nice. Yeah, well, I find oh, all I, I, I think that, um, <laughs> the whole subject of sex is disgusting and offensive, as you know. Um, do, do, you, um, do you have a sense of who... Is there a type that likes your stuff? And, and is it different from the people that... You know, you said you, you now have an audience that properly get you and they want you for you. But so does it feel as if you're talking... You're, you're aiming at a different demographic here now. See, that's what I was kind of expecting to happen. And although there are a lot of people now who do have body images like me, I haven't seen like a body like mine on social media. Like this is really nice mm. to see. But I have also had people who are ripped be like, absolutely love what you're doing. Yeah, interesting. And, nice. and for me, yeah. I've been like, I've been a bit taken back. Like even if I don't know, someone likes me on a dating app and I've just been like, I was not expecting you to... Mm. to like me that i'm like why i was like oh because i you know but that's another like narrative this. that's not been broken yet isn't it it's exactly that the, the muscle gays don't find anybody else other than themselves attractive well they often to do. an extent yeah <laughs> they, they they still do There's always an exception yeah but it's like some people are a lot more open-minded like so for example like i'm attracted to all different types of people um Again, what was the question? Oh my god! Well, it was it was a fairly vague Sorry. question. <laughs> it's not podcast. It's a very good question. No, vague. I said it's a fairly vague. I thought you said it was a very good question. It was something like that. No, I was interested in basically whether whether you were conscious of attracting one type with your old body and approach and a different type now. I think, or whether yeah. So has the audience has, has changed? Yeah, or how the audience has evolved? I think the audience has hopefully the audience has evolved with me. I think a yeah. lot of it has. And I think it's been really nice because people have kind of been subscribing to my content and following my content originally because of the, you know, 
pretty faced guy with a six pack and now they are like oh no i really like where you've taken this they're like i a lot of people are like i followed your journey for years and i really love the evolution yeah that's... and i think now what you do is incredible like you can see that you're so much happier um, and that's lovely that's what you want you, that's that's yeah. a real fan base so it's people that want to go where you want to on the evolution them. it might be quite nice to chart that change like when you were in that position of pretty face six pack who were you looking up to then and then like who are you looking up to now yeah so when i was the old me i was very much looking up to it's it's a very common narrative amongst gay people that you look you're attracted to what you look like you basically want like a doppelganger mm -hmm. and it's like a running joke that you know you'll have two gay men and they'll be mistaken for brothers constantly interesting because i was going to ask it's the call me by your name of it all isn't it it's right the, yeah. yeah so sorry to interrupt but this sort of the same discussion do non-muscle gays to use the phrase also not fancy more muscly is, is, does uh, that hold as a stereotype in the same way i don't way, know or? if it works in the same set you can answer this perhaps differently but i think that often non-muscle gays will be in a perpetual cycle of fancying something or looking towards something they see as unattainable which is the muscle gay right yeah absolutely so and if you're one of those gays you're in a good position basically well yeah, yeah that's why they <laughs> remain at the top of the pedestal that's why they that's yeah. why they have such inflated egos because they have not everyone but majority but of people wanting them the default them, thing to want which yeah, has yeah. just created this hierarchy of beauty totally, right that's really interesting bollocks yeah mm -hmm. but yeah so the old version of me was again very much looking up to what i wanted to be so I wanted, I was following people who were, you know, very heteronormative. Although they were gay, they were still very heteronormative, very muscly. And then now I have so many different people that I look up to. I, I'd like to surround myself with as many different types of people as possible. Like sometimes if I look at like my friendship group or something and I think I'm literally surrounded by lots of like cis white people. I'm like, I, I want to be around people with different ideologies, different backgrounds, like... I don't just want to be surrounded by all of the same people because then you're just you're in like your own little echo chamber mm -hmm. and you're all just thinking the exact same and you can't you can't learn and grow by surrounding yourself by all the exact same people for sure no yeah you're absolutely right uh, you mentioned about um antidepressants going on antidepressants uh how did you find that that was really hard yeah. I put off going on antidepressants for about a year because in my head, I was like, I don't want to have medication to exist yeah. because yeah. it makes me feel weak and I can't appear weak. Yeah. And it was that constant, like, I don't, I don't want that help. Like, I shouldn't need it. Like, I, I'm going to do this on my own. So it wasn't to do with potential, like, the side effects or what it would do to no. your brain. It was about the concept of needing to do that. It was all about the concept. Like, mm. I didn't even think about the side effects because right, like, yeah. I hadn't had any conversations. I was just like, I'm not doing it. Right. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, going to do this on my own. Yeah. And then when I eventually did, I then I did a lot of content about it being like i'm now going on antidepressants and a lot of talking about the shame around it and you're like you don't need to feel weak for going on antidepressants like it's just a little support system mm -hmm. like it's there's nothing wrong with that but i know i found it it was a battle yeah. for me to mentally come to terms with going on antidepressants this they're, 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 they're so helpful and it's such a shame that we feel like this about it like i felt i felt similar when i was going on them like i felt like i was giving up because i'd tried so many other things that should have fixed it and they hadn't and it's nice hearing men and people talking about this openly because 
they just don't. And also, antidepressants are often used for like erectile dysfunction or like people who come too quickly. It's like stuff like that. Antidepressants are used for that. I mean, because they also have the, that side effect. <laughs> but, no, but that's one of the one of the now I'm on them is one of the biggest battles I have. It's right. infuriating. Really? Yeah. I was on Citalopram for a year and a half and literally couldn't come at all. Right. And then something about this. I'm yeah. on Citalopram and I don't have that problem, but I have I'm sure you don't know. Sertraline was the problem for me. Sertraline was my first one and I was I was a bitch. I was not a nice person on Sertraline. Um, but could you come? I could. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> it's weighing it up. It is weighing it up. <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to play the percentages here. What do you no, want most? I know. But that's literally what happened. I had a medication for you a couple of weeks ago because I'm now on my third type of medication. And I was, she was like, how's it working? I was like, okay, well, I can come now. But now it's in 30 seconds. Like, baby, this is not, this is not good. Like, we've gone from one end to the other. And if, like, if there are scientists or pharmaceutical people listening at home, surely there is an antidepressant which gives you a normal amount of sex before the climax. But I think like, it, it varies for everyone. That's why going on antidepressants is so hard. Ah, is because you, Okay, keep doing what you're doing then, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you do have to find the right one for you, which is also mm. why a lot of people are very scared of it because they yeah. know that it's like a two months before you know it's going to work. It can really go wrong, like, for you, yeah. Yeah, but... And then even that, like now that I'm on my current medication and I have like premature ejaculation as opposed to delayed, mm. I'm like, oh, this is really embarrassing. Like, how do I fix this? But it's just, I think like accepting things, accepting things the way they are is a very important thing. Um, yeah. Another thing is like accepting depression rather than constant, not, I'm not saying just like I give up. I'm just going to spend my life on the sofa. I mean, in terms of don't just fight against it. Cause so often for me, if I'm depressed, I'm like, I had three good, really good days last week, and now I feel terrible again. Mm. And that sends you into a tailspin of it. Make, yeah, it yeah. makes it worse because yeah. then you're depressed, but then you're beating yourself up, and it's like just accepting it, going, Do you know what? No, this is this, this is, is today. This is today. Yeah. Like depression isn't going to be cured. I am probably going to have this for the rest of my life. It's just like, okay, now I'm not having a good day and kind of accepting that. Mm. My therapist talks about this sitting with your emotions, he calls it like rather than trying to run away from anger or sadness or whatever, just sitting and thinking that is how I am. Feel Being the feeling. present. In it. Yeah. Obvious thing to focus on, but it's a real difficult mental discipline. You have to practice feeling your emotions properly. Yeah. Because otherwise you do end up, you become terrified of anger or you cannot ever be sad or whatever you know this it's obviously better to feel things than not but feeling things involves courage obviously i think when it comes to toxic masculinity that's one of the worst traits is that yeah. you you run away from problems you just you don't want to face them head on you don't yeah. want to process anything you don't want to deal anything you literally me. <laughs> it happens there's no doubt about it yeah. no it is and it's it's really hard because you will just do anything to avoid it it's like do you want to go to therapy no i'm not yeah. going to face it so i'm just gonna it's about leaning in, isn't it? And finding the confidence to yeah. lean in. And the more people you see and hear leaning in, the easier it is for you to do. Oh, I'm leaning in. I'm on these. I'm now one of these guys that won't fucking shut up about being a therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think about my feelings. Yeah. Not right now, waiting for a bus, but sure. My, my brain is so interesting. <laughs> I just, I mean, the NHS in its current state is not going to be possible, but I really hope we can get to a point where even in school, it's just recommended or even provided that everyone sees a therapist at some point. Mm -hmm. because pretty people... much everyone would benefit from it. Absolutely. Yeah. Someone said that to me years ago. Someone said, yeah, you should totally get a therapist. In fact, everyone should. And at yeah. the time I thought it was mad exaggeration, but I don't know many people who would not benefit from it. Oh, they're brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's a privilege and I'm lucky I can afford it and everything, but you're right. We ought to somehow shift it up the priority order to get access to it quicker for more people. Because, so, yeah, so many people are like, oh, I don't, I don't need therapy. I've got no reason to go. I'm like... Mm. That sounds like a reason to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that sounds like you're suppressing stuff, honey. If you've been walking around with a brain for 
uh, any length of time in the world, then that's a reason to go. Yeah, basically. especially this world. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. Yes, there's a lot I, of reasons to go to therapy. <laughs> but it's a very similar thing to, again to what you're saying about medication. People assume there is something wrong with themselves. I, my parents don't know that I uh, see a therapist, and it's been sort of a year and a half. And I, because they would immediately think, oh, he's, things must be bad then. And in a way, I, I, I started it because of response to things in my life which were not right. But it's an overwhelmingly positive experience, yeah. I suppose it's something, some of it is just the popular cultural idea of like, you know, a person in a film goes and maybe doesn't lie on the couch anymore, but like a character tends to go to a therapist because things have gone wrong. It's their fault. It's, again, it comes down to feeling bad about having mm. to do it, doesn't it? Yeah, no, there's a really big stigma behind it. Like it, like you said, it is very much if you someone's in therapy, you assume like the yeah, worst. There, it's like in rehab, it carries the same sort of conversation. Yeah, no, that. absolutely. It's like, right, what pushed you to that? If we could normalize it in the same way it's normal to just go to the doctor for stuff, that would be really great. Yeah, no, I completely but agree. But as you say, we do not have the funding or infrastructure to do that at the moment. No. But yeah. I've got a friend actually who who's in therapy and they kind of mentioned that they... They, they go like every week and they have done for ages. They're like, I'm just going to stay in there. Thankfully, they're in a position that they can do that, yeah. which obviously sucks, isn't possible for everyone. But if you are in that position, I like absolutely like go every week, go every two weeks, regardless, because there's going to be stuff that you may need help unpacking or that you may need to kind of vent about. Yeah, often it's not. Well, for me, at least it's not even a what is the problem of this week it is literally just like having a conversation about what is on your mind and how things what your experience of living that week has been with mm. a dispassionate person who's interested in you but brings nothing emotional to yeah, the table it's, it's about it's the processing only... the week that you've had yeah it can be a, it could have been a good week and a therapy session can be about a good thing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah how are you feeling yeah. how are you making sure you're feeling good about this good thing that's happened it's, that is also therapy it's almost the yeah. only situation in which you can access that i think because anyone else you would speak to about it is bringing something to the table some preconceptions or like mm -hmm. you have an emotional relationship with them it's 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 Some of the most interesting like, stuff yeah. is when a therapy when a, when a therapist i've had uh, that i've got at the moment is really great because she'll say oh i feel angry about that for you and i'm like huh <laughs> well i wasn't feeling anything about it mine often says oh, that sounds so tiring like, yes <laughs> yes it is <laughs> <laughs> before we start just telling everyone about all of our feelings yes. in this podcast uh, we do need to go to our final question which is about building a human building a person we tried building a bear but they wouldn't sponsor us so <laughs> we haven't entirely uh, given up but it's we haven't given to feel up. Like we also not... haven't asked but we feel like they should have reached no, out we to haven't us. asked but we've mentioned them on almost every podcast yes yeah. yeah. it's been over that would have been brilliant yeah, it would have been good it would have been good but that's yeah. a case of that thing of not confronting stuff actually we're, <laughs> we're just not men would good. rather just mention a, a brand for 50 episodes than one time I hope just, they just speak to email us. them yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> what three qualities would you build into a person for them to be able to thrive in this world um authenticity mm -hmm. um everything comes down to that basically doesn't it 100 especially that therapist stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i think i think yeah but it's surprising how often in life you are pretending to be something other than very inauthentic it's such like i said the other day to someone that people are so content with just surrounding themselves by bullshit um compassion mm. and ooh, just honesty i know that's very similar to authenticity yeah but it's not quite the same notion is it it's about yeah they're two authenticity is about you honesty yeah. is about other people yeah. i feel so often when it comes to the people we engage with we're dishonest or that we hide things and i feel like a lot of situations can be solved through honesty and especially when it comes to you know allyship Honesty is very, like, it's, it's imperative. Like, you can't be an ally without being honest with people if you hear something you don't agree with. So, mm -hmm. compassion, authenticity, and honesty. 
And then you fix the human race. Look at that. Look at that. Sorted. God. So easy. Yeah. In a room in Hackney. Where's it, just, my no- <laughs> it just needed a podcast. <laughs> Where's my Nobel Peace Prize? <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Max. Thank um, you very much. Happy how do people find you? Not in like... I was like, I'm not giving my address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nearest tube line. Where do um, people send weird stuff to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am on Instagram as Max underscore Hovey. I'm on... TikTok as Max at Max Hovey. I'm on Twitter as at I believe Hovey Max. Really irritating that I cannot have the same handle on all of them. Ooh. I am working on that. <laughs> um, but if you do want to follow me, please put the handle in exactly because I am shadow banned for talking about all the things I've spoken about today. So Instagram does not like to show people. We'll my put the profile. handles in the um, what's it called the, bi- the description. Uh, the, the, yes, the uh, and what's the OnlyFans one as well? Oh, uh, that is just in my Twitter bio. Stunning. Fair Lovely. Enough. Well, thank right. you so much, Max. Thank you very much yeah, for having thanks me. Thanks Max. Good luck with everything. Thank you. And that was Max. I keep saying as promised because we do technically promise. Yeah, and as I've said before, our track record is excellent in this regard. We, we never promise someone and then you listen well, no, to we totally have, different. We have previously pro- promised somebody and it wasn't then the following week, but I would say in the intros, we've never promised someone and then just played like a different interview. Yeah, and we've stopped now saying who's coming next week in case. Just to, in case, just in case we mess Broken up. promises, yeah. <laughs> We're promising as little as possible these days. Uh, as ever, we would love to hear from you, so please do email in at menkindpodcast on socials or men podcast at gmail.com and subscribe and review and just generally all the kind of podcast things that people say at the end of podcasts it'll be nice to get correspondence again we had some lovely emails in the past oh, i did enjoy the emails actually we oh a little spoiler for later in the series but yes one of our frequent emailers is going to be speaking to us later in the series becomes a guest yeah so there you go write to us and you might be on mankind unless that's your worst nightmare in which case it, you, no one is forced to it be. Could be like a film called guest becomes her there's something in there isn't I like there? that I like that God, I was just thinking it would be amazing if we could conscript people like in the way jury duty is basically composite if we could it would remove so much of the hassle around booking podcast guests if, if it became but it might find quite, might be quite difficult we might have some fairly awkward chats they might not I want to talk yeah. to us back yeah. really no maybe. I guess we'll stick with people that are voluntary yeah, yeah okay well, fine voluntary is an, uh, a strong word agreed willing yes we'll stick with uh, like mild coercion yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next week for another willing guest <laughs> see you for our next victim hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.